Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies, and I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. We are talking about a very, very juicy topic that was actually suggested by one of our incredible listeners. Thank you so much, Hallie, for suggesting that we talk about attachment styles today. And it's so apropos to the current time frame that we're in because it's the holiday season. For many of us, Hanukkah is starting this week. For others of us, Christmas or other celebrations are happening a little bit later in the month. And in these situations, we are going to be thrust back into the dynamic where our attachment styles originally came from, and that is our family of origin. So our parents, our siblings, the people who raised us, our grandparents, our cousins, all of those really, really early relationships where We learned, okay, this is how I'm supposed to behave. This is what I can expect. And this is what is expected of me. I think it's perfect timing to learn about these attachment styles and then to go back and observe your family and to think, oh, okay, this is why I have an anxious attachment style. It's not inherently me, but it's because that's what I learned that love looks like. This is what I learned to expect of love. Honestly, awareness is the number one component of personal evolution. You don't even have to change anything. It's just knowing why you are, who you are, and where that comes from. For those of you who haven't listened to this podcast before, I wanted to be really clear. I am not a therapist. I am not a trained clinician of any sort. And so just know that any information that I'm sharing here, I have discovered myself through books and through good old-fashioned Googling. Please do not think that you're hearing this from someone who's extraordinarily more qualified than you are. Really more, this is me sharing my personal experiences with attachment styles in the hopes that it'll bring up something for you that is resonant or that there's a shared experience that sheds more light onto your own personal exploration of these topics. So what are attachment styles? An attachment style is essentially a shorthand for the way that you generally interact in relationships. There are a few different ways that people categorize the attachment styles, but for the purpose of this conversation, we are going to keep things very, very simple, and we're going to talk about three attachment styles. The first is secure, the second is anxious, and the last one is avoidant. I highly recommend two books that I loved on this topic. The first is called Attached, and the second is called Wired for Love. They both give a pretty good overview of the differences in styles, and then they both include some quizzes where you can identify your own style, see what you are, and then also for you to identify other people in your life and then learn how to interact with them in the most successful way possible. And so this applies not just to your family relationships or your romantic relationships, but it really can apply to even work relationships too, or any people where there's trust and intimacy built between you and someone else. Secure attachment styles are the easiest ones to explain. 
people who have a secure attachment style were raised in such a way that they really believe that the people who love them are trustworthy and dependable. So they might say things like, oh yeah, my parents are always there for me when I need them. Or, you know, my mother is always so great at giving me advice and calming me down. Or I can really depend and rely on my family. People with secure attachment tend to have a pretty positive view of themselves. So lots of self-love. They also tend to have a pretty trusting and positive view of others. And they're really comfortable with emotional intimacy. They're comfortable with closeness. They are able to create healthy relationship bonds. They generally read into any ambiguous relationship situations with a glass half full perspective. So imagine that your partner has promised to do something really spectacular for your birthday and you don't see any clues that this person is doing anything nice for you for your birthday and then the morning of your birthday rolls around and there's still nothing. Someone with a secure attachment style probably thinks, oh, well, I know that there's something coming for me later. And even if there's not, I know that this person really loves me and they just got really busy at work and we can talk about it and have a discussion about it. I think it's worth taking a second to see if you know anyone in your life who has a secure attachment style. It could even be a friend. I think one really good clue into knowing whether or not someone has a secure attachment style is whether or not they're pretty trusting with the people who they love. And secondarily, whether or not they tend to read into situations with more of an optimistic, more generous viewpoint of the people who are involved. So instead of immediately jumping to negative assumptions that this person doesn't love them or this person betrayed them, rather they're more likely to have empathy and to feel that the love is still enduring and that there's just a good excuse why you know the behavior has faltered for a second. The second type that we are going to discuss today is the anxious attachment style. The hallmark of this style is a fearfulness of losing closeness in the relationship. There are a lot of emotional highs and lows that people with anxious attachment styles experience. They can be clingy or needy or a little bit more desirous of wanting someone's attention, wanting them around. And when they're feeling insecure, they can really rely on being more dependent on their partner, wanting more closeness. And I tend to think of this style as moving toward their partner or moving toward their loved ones. And anxious attachment folks, as opposed to secure attachment folks, they tend to have a negative view of themselves while they have a more positive view of others. That is in contrast to secure attachment types who have both a positive view of themselves and a positive view of other people. And when someone who has an anxious attachment style is feeling that there's a drifting or a lack of closeness between them and a loved one, then they can actually become a little bit aggressive. They're worried that their loved ones will let them down. They're worried that their loved ones will leave them. They're worried that there are signs out there that they're not actually loved in the way that they want to be loved. And then the final attachment style we'll talk about is the avoidant attachment style. These folks are a bit of the opposite of the anxious attachment style. 
They tend to pull away from people who they're in relationship with when they're under stress. They have a positive view of self, but a negative view of others. So that's the flip from the anxious style. Anxious people have a negative view of self and a positive view of others. And avoidance are flipped around. Avoidant folks tend to be really independent and self-reliant. And it's difficult for them to feel close to others. These are people who tend to put up walls or if there's an argument or a confrontation, they'll just leave or they'll shut down. They really feel like the only people whom they can rely on is themselves. So you might hear someone with an avoidant attachment style say something like, oh, I don't need him. I don't need anyone. I can take care of myself. And a hallmark of recognizing the style in yourself or in others is whether or not you pull away. So when you're feeling overwhelmed in a relationship or stressed, instead of trying to build closeness, do you pull away? So remember that the secure attachment style, the first one we discussed, is very comfortable with closeness. They can maintain very healthy relationship bonds. They're secure and trusting the anxious style definitely has more insecurities. They're more dependent, a little bit more clingy. They are fearful of losing the relationship. And when they're experiencing stress or uncertainty in the relationship, they want to pull closer toward their partner. And that is the opposite of the avoidant attachment style that wants to pull away from their partner. To make things even more <laughs> zany and unpredictable, Oftentimes, people can be anxious and avoidant at the same time. That was my personal experience for many, many, many years. And I think that a good way to illustrate some of these dynamics is to get in a time machine and go back in time to 2016 and 2017. I wanted to share a little bit about a relationship that I had that was the epitome of two different attachment styles that were trying to make a go at it and how our differences in styles really caused a lot of miscommunication, but also were probably the reason why we were so drawn to each other in the first place. Growing up, I had a mom who was really, really unpredictable. So she would say, oh, I'm coming home at five today, but she wouldn't come home till 1 a.m. Or she would say, oh, I'll pick you up from school at 3 p.m. And then it would be 4.30 or 5. And I would be so worried. And this was in an era before there were cell phones. So when I was growing up and I was a little kid, I still had to use a payphone. So I would call my mom on a payphone, ask her to come pick me up. And I think my mom had a variety of undiagnosed mental health issues where she really didn't want to be a mom. She felt pretty resentful of it. And as a result, she hated it when I tried to put her on a schedule or tried to ask her to be consistent in any way. She was also very inconsistent in terms of getting up and going to work, answering phone calls, paying bills, all the sort of adult stuff. She just really didn't want to do it and she really was bad at doing it. And that spilled over into parenting. So I never knew what I was going to get with my mom. I had no bedtime we didn't have any routines or schedules. We didn't really have a lot of food in the house. My mom wasn't someone who was like, we're doing chores, we're doing laundry. Basically, we would pile up all of our laundry for many, many weeks, and then we would go over to a friend's house, and we would stay there for dinner while my mom did laundry. 
so my childhood was really sporadic. It was really inconsistent, really unpredictable. And at first, the way that I dealt with my mom being so inconsistent was to develop a real anxious attachment. So my mom pretty definitively had a avoidant attachment when it came to her kids, right? So she was very independent from us. She was very difficult to become close to. She put up walls. She was often not home. She would definitely just shut down during conflict and just change the subject or pretend like it wasn't happening. And she didn't really feel like she needed to take care of us. And in response to her avoidant attachment style, as a young child, I became extremely anxiously attached to my mom. I was so fearful whenever she would come home past the time she was supposed to. I always thought she was dead or had been in a really bad car accident and I would cry and cry and cry. I was super clingy. Both my brother and I hated it when she was home and she would go to the bathroom and we would sit outside of the bathroom and bang on the door, wait for her to come out. I remember holding on to her leg, asking her not to leave. I was always afraid that she would let me down and usually it was right, but even when she didn't and she showed up on time, I was plagued with a fear that she wouldn't be on time or she wouldn't do what she said she was going to do. And then as I got older, this morphed into an avoidant attachment style where I basically was just like, I don't need my mom. I can't count on her. I can't count on anyone but myself. So by the time I was probably 15 or 16, I was already not spending very much time at home. I was with my friends constantly. I had a plan to get myself out of the town that I grew up in, go to college, move to New York, move to Paris, wherever. And I really put up a wall myself and I hardened my heart against my mom. We wound up not having a relationship for years and we still don't even really have a relationship and this is all to give you guys background on this relationship that I was in a few years ago before I met my husband. It was in between my two husbands, basically. I was single for like four years after I got divorced. And the only real relationship of significance during that time was with this person who we'll call John. His name isn't really John, but let's just use that because it's a really easy anonymous name to use. He had a really avoidant attachment style. He had grown up with a dad who had had an affair and left the family when John was, I think, 13 or 14. And as a result, he developed a belief that he didn't need anyone to take care of him. At age 13, he was now the man of the house. And his mom was someone that he had to take care of. And his little sister was someone who he also had to take care of. And he would have to step up and make sure that he was okay because his dad was no longer around. So this guy, classic avoidant attachment style, shows up into my life and I am classic anxious attachment style with him. So we're opposites. And we had an immediate attraction to each other from the very, very beginning. There were, of course, other factors as well. I thought he was really handsome. I thought he was really smart and funny and he really cared about me too. We just really, really liked each other. I remember it was probably our third date or something. And he said, you know, I haven't liked someone this much in probably four or five years. And pretty quickly, we decided to be exclusive. That wasn't the hard part. The hard part was getting him to see me on a consistent basis. 
We only hung out once a week the entire duration of our relationship and getting him to hang out with my friends or to make plans in advance or go to a wedding with me was so awful. He really was basically like, my work is my life right now and I don't have time for anyone else or anything else in my life. And remember, this sort of unpredictability was so much like my mom. And of course, this person was much more responsible as a human than my mom was, but it was very similar, especially triggering in the fact that he was always late. And that was something that drove me crazy about my mom. You know, I'd be meeting John for dinner and he would be 20, 30 minutes late to meeting me. And that was just so, so much like sitting around the gym waiting for my mom to pick me up from cheerleading practice. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but I became really insecure. I basically just thought about him constantly. I really wanted us to be closer. I wanted our bond to be closer. I wanted us to move in together. I was serious about him. I wanted more of a commitment. I wanted to take our relationship to a deeper place. And I was very clingy and very afraid that he didn't like me in the same way that I liked him. And then, of course, on his side of things, he has also chosen a partner who is very similar to the behaviors of his parent that he had a dysfunctional relationship with. He would always say, oh, you remind me so much of my dad. There's two of us. Both of us have grown up with upsetting, unhealthy parental dynamics. And then here we are as adults being drawn to each other and repeating that cycle. And I remember that my therapist told me about this relationship that when one has unprocessed trauma with a parent, then they then seek to repeat that pattern with someone else, hoping that they can change that pattern. Oftentimes, when you feel so drawn to someone, like it's kismet or fate or your twin flames, that you're soulmates, that it's animalistic, crazy attraction, oftentimes it's your trauma attracting their trauma. It is your baggage connecting with their baggage, and it feels like it's love at first sight, but really it's just a repetition of the childhood pattern that you grew up with. There's a familiarity there. Somewhere subconsciously, my heart was like, oh, I know this, unpredictable person, always late. They tell me that they care about me so much and give me a lot of compliments and tell me how beautiful I am. But when it comes down to it, I can't count on them to be there for me when they say they're going to be there for me. That was my mom to a T. And I was there repeating that cycle, hoping unconsciously that this time I'd be able to change it. So we had a constant string of disagreements. It was really tough. His avoidance brought out all the worst in me, just made me feel so insecure. And then it turned me avoidant myself. I would do things like if I didn't hear from him for a couple days over text message, then when he finally called me, I just wouldn't pick up even if I happened to be there staring at the phone. Or I'd purposely wait for two or three days before I texted him back if he had also made me wait in the beginning. And so eventually it got to the point where even though we really cared a lot about each other, it just was completely untenable. And he broke up with me and he said, it shouldn't have to be this hard. And then I said, but isn't love hard? Because that's all I had known of love was that it was challenging. There were arguments. You're always trying to get the person to do something that they didn't want to do because that was my experience with my mother. Having done years and years and years of therapy, I am still to this day just so blown away by how much of my personality 
has been informed by the trauma I experienced when I was a kid. And it comes up all the time in little, little ways. Even now that I'm partnered with my husband who has a very, very secure attachment style, I'll say things to him constantly about how the situation we're in isn't that bad, right? There's actually not that much conflict between us. But because it reminds me so much of my childhood, it takes on this heightened level of pain. An example of that is we are here right now in Canada, where he grew up. We're on Vancouver Island, which is on the west coast of Canada. It's really, really beautiful. It's so perfect and bucolic. And we're in a 14-day quarantine. I am someone who is naturally very much a homebody. I don't really love going out that much anymore. I like being cozy. I like staying in. I like cooking. I like sleeping. I like taking baths. And he's someone who loves being out. In New York City, where we live, he is always out and about three or four or five nights a week. He really loves his friends. He loves going to bars. He loves going to restaurants. He just loves hanging out at his friends' apartments. He is very social by nature. He has a million friends, and he always has plans with some friend. Less so now during COVID. He really just sticks to our bubble. But before COVID, he was always out and about with one of his you know, hundreds of friends that live in the city. So there's a natural repetition of that dynamic between my mom and I when I was growing up where she was always out and about and I was always really sad because I wanted her to be home with me acting like the moms that I saw on TV. So quarantine is actually my dream scenario because we are forced to be together in this beautiful wooded part of Canada where we just work separately in separate rooms. We have dinner together, we wake up together, and then we go to sleep really early together and he doesn't go out because he's literally not allowed to go out. And last night, it was day four of quarantine. He was getting ready for bed and he said, oh, I just feel so trapped. And then it immediately made me feel so sensitive. I got so upset thinking, oh, we're so different. He doesn't want to be here with me. This is my happy place and this is his miserable place. But because I've learned about attachment styles, I was able to tell that I was becoming anxious, right? I was starting to doubt our love and our relationship, even though it's so steady. And I was able to know that this is a pattern of mine and to see through it and to tell him how I really felt instead of just trying to cling to him. And so I said to him, hey, can you tell me more about what that means for you to feel trapped? Because it hurts my feelings a little bit to hear you say that because I love this time with you and it worries me that you don't feel the same way. And that reminds me of how it was when I was growing up with my mom where I always wanted her to be home and she never was and she didn't want to be home. And then my husband was able to explain to me, oh no, he doesn't actually feel trapped in our relationship or even geographically here in this house, but more that he doesn't feel great in his body and he wanted to go for a run and we're actually not even allowed to leave the property so he couldn't go for a run. And so now as I have gotten older and I've learned about my attachment style, it doesn't run my life anymore. It doesn't control me but rather I can be aware of it and see what's happening and then to be able to share that. Because I think that with the two styles that are insecure, so avoidant and anxious, 
Basically, both are defense mechanisms. They are both ways of trying to protect oneself from being hurt in a relationship. The avoidance style, they pull away and they think, I don't need this person. This person can't hurt me because I'm independent. I don't need anyone. And the anxious style thinks, oh no, I might be losing this person. I might be experiencing pain soon. So I'm going to get in front of this and just pull this person closer to me. And actually the antidote to both of those styles is to just be really honest, to be honest with where you are. And if you are with someone who has a healthy enough attachment style, then they can really be there and really hear you. Honestly, it's changed my life to be with someone who has a secure attachment style. My therapist asked me to take an attachment style quiz the other day, and I took it and I actually got a secure, which is great. So, you know, two and a half years now of being with my partner and all those many years of therapy, I've definitely come to understand what a secure attachment style looks like. What it looks like is that no matter what happens, you have a core belief that you deserve to be loved and that you will always, always be loved. And I'll say that again because it's so important. At the end of the day, a secure attachment style means that you believe that you deserve to be loved and that other people are capable of loving you in the way that you need to be. And lastly, I wanted to give just a quick small example of how these attachment styles can show up on a day-to-day basis because I think I gave you some pretty big sweeping examples that came from the trauma of my childhood, but you don't need to have had experienced as intense childhood trauma as I had to have a specific attachment style. I mean, these things pop up in really subtle dynamics all the time. Just in my case, it's really easy to make those correlations. But even if you feel in many ways that your parents were really perfect and really there for you, this can still manifest as an attachment style based on, you know, maybe a dynamic that was experienced between your two parents or that even happened later in life with a partner that you had early on. As a small example, I wanted to tell a story that my friend who was actually raised by two parents who really loved her, she has a great relationship with her parents, but they did move around a lot because of her dad's job. So she attended a bunch of different schools and her husband has an avoidant attachment style compared to her anxious. So when he is feeling stressed out, he will pull away. He'll put his headphones on and he'll work. He'll go on long bike rides. He just wants to be by himself. And then when she sees him doing that, it actually makes her pull in even closer. So let's say they're getting ready for work in the morning and she asks him a question and he doesn't answer because he has his headphones on and he's working, doesn't want to be bothered, doesn't want to be disturbed. He's stressed out, wants to be by himself. This causes her to double down and she's like, hey, do you want some coffee? Do you want me to put some creamer in it? Do you want some eggs for breakfast? What are you doing today? What are you excited about? She's trying to build closeness and she becomes kind of fussy and cloying and wanting to be closer to him, but that makes him pull away even more. What she's learning to do is to recognize when that's happening and to just ask for it and say, hey, we feel a little distant right now. Do you mind if we just hug or check in for five minutes before we start our respective work days? And then you can go back to what you're doing and I can go back to my work. It'll just be so nice to connect for a couple minutes. And this knowledge is really helping her to notice when those situations happen and to react consciously instead of being guided by the attachment style. So the whole point of what we're doing here is so that your life is no longer completely governed by these attachment styles without you even realizing it. I hope that that was helpful. 
I really recommend that you read Wired for Loved or Attached. And then you can go home and observe your family dynamics. You can observe all the relationships, all the partners who you know in your life and see if you can guess what their attachment styles are. One quick shout out for December 14th, which is the solar eclipse. It's really, really exciting. It's a beautiful day. Mark it on your calendar and make sure to do a new moon ritual. I'll actually talk about that in the next podcast episode. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode and you found it useful or supportive in any way, please, please, please review it on iTunes or Spotify and subscribe because I release it on a different day every week, just sort of based on the energy that I'm feeling and generally comes out about every week-ish. But if you subscribe, you will get a little alert whenever there's a new episode. Thank you so much. And also thank you to Hallie, our amazing listener who suggested this topic. I'm all ears if you guys ever have anything that you want me to talk about or explore. And always remember to listen to yourself, to love yourself, and to say yes to life so life can say yes to you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.